0: اللهم اخرجنا من ظلمات الوهم الى نور الفهم واكرمنا بمعرفه العلم وزين اخلاقنا بالحلم يا ارحم الراحمين امين امين اما بعد welcome all to the Friday forum uh, this weekly blessed event that we have every friday night I ask Allah azza wa to accept it from us and always allow us to uh, connect with our deen connect with each other um and reflect on uh, the critical things that affect our lives together, collectively, through this event, Allahumma Ameen. Um, uh, before we get started with anything, uh, the Isra and Mi'raj, the night journey and the ascension, uh, was this past Wednesday night. and Of course, in the storyline of Al-Isra and Mi'raj and the seerah, uh the um, uh, Bait Al-Maqdis and Jerusalem are front and center. And especially with what's happening in Palestine and Gaza now, uh, it's most critical that um, we immerse ourselves in du'a as we've been doing and we continue to remind ourselves to do for our brothers and sisters there that Allah Azza wa Jal aids them and gives them victory and liberates Al-Aqsa and liberates Jerusalem from the hands of the oppressors, Allahumma amin. So we'll start off with du'a and then we'll go over to announcements insha'Allah. Allahumma Malakal Hamdulu, who like a shukrukulu, who learn of Sithana and Subhanaka Kama ethnita ala Nafsik, Allah must only sell him ala Habibika, Abdikal Muhtari, Sayyidina Muhammad, Wa ala he wa sahbihi he ajmain. Allah, Marabana Hadina ilake, could be Aidina ilake of the Kirami alaik, Allah, Mathabitna will call the Thabit, if he had dunya of the Akhira, Allah, Muslima, was like Colubana, Allah, Muslima, was like Bina, Allah, Muslima, was like Bina, Allah, was Liman Hitada. Allahumma whom Rabbana Aslahala Umati Habibi, Muhammad, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, a female Sharik el Ardumagari Biha. Allahumma whom a Fukal Kerba and Ikhwani and Mustada Afina Firazofi, Philistine. Allah, Mansurum Nasran Aziz and Moazzara. Allah, Mansurum Nasran Aziz and Moazzara. Allah, Mansurum Nasran Aziz and Moazara. Allah, Maharir Oksana will be led the Muslimin. Allah, Maharir Oksana Wa be al the Muslimin. Allah, Maharir Oksana will be led Muslimin. اللهم رد عن إخواننا المجاهدين في فلسطين عدوان المعتدين وظلم الظالمين اللهم ربنا رد أعداءهم على أعقابهم خائبين خاسئين خزايا نادمين ولا تجعل لهم صرفا ولا نصرا يا قوي يا عزيز يا قوي يا عزيز أنت حسبنا نعمل مولى ونعمل وكيل نعمل مولى ونعمل نصير اللهم, اللهم أنت حسبنا في الظالمين اللهم أنت حسبنا في الظالمين اللهم أنت حسبنا في الظالمين اللهم هزمهم وزلزلهم وجعل الدائرة عليهم يا رب العالمين اللهم في صدور قوم المؤمنين اللهم في صدور قوم المؤمنين اللهم في صدور قوم مؤمنين. اللهم بلغنا رمضان اللهم بلغنا رمضان اللهم عنا على صيامه وقيامه على الوجه الذي يرضيك عنا اللهم اجعل هذا الرمضان رمضان فتح ونصر وتمكين لأمة محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ولأمورنا خيارنا ولا تولي أمورنا شرارنا ولا تسلط علينا بذنوب من لا يخافك ولا يرحمنا اللهم لا تجعل مصيبتنا في ديننا اللهم لا تجعل مصيبتنا في ديننا اللهم اختم لنا بخير الأجمعين والحقنا بالصالحين واجعلنا من مرثة جنتي كجنتي نعيم O Allah, we call upon you, we pray to you, we beseech you, we ask you by your names and attributes on this blessed night at the time of when the night journey and the ascension happened for our beloved Muhammad Sallallahu wa sallam that you liberate Al-Aqsa from the hands of the oppressors O oh, Allah, liberate Al-Aqsa in Jerusalem from the hands of the oppressors O Allah, we ask you to give relief to our brothers and sisters in Palestine and in Gaza. Give them victory, give them aid, support them and aid them over their enemies. O Allah, we ask you not to give their enemies strength over them, to continue to oppress them and to continue to cross your bounds. O Allah, your enemies and their enemies have crossed all boundaries of humanity and and breached all of that which is sacred. We ask you, O Allah, to relieve us of their enemies. O Allah, relieve them of their enemies and give them victory over their oppressors and give rise to justice over oppression. Give rise to justice over oppression. Unite you know, our hearts upon goodness and benevolence and give charge of our affairs to the best of us, not the worst of us, ya Rabbil Alameen. Ameen, Ameen. Wa akhir Alhamdulillah awun Rabbil Alameen. Amma ba'd, Allah khair for attending, as I said. And before we continue any further with tonight's topic, I'm going to pass it over to Akhi Adam uh, to share with you guys a set of announcements bi ta'ala. as
1: everyone. Thank you so much for attending and joining this Friday forum. Uh, just some reminders, inshallah, if you're going to have any conversations, please keep them outside of the main masallah. And if you're going for snacks, please also you know, keep it quiet around the snack tables so noise doesn't uh, come inside. Now, just some reminders for some upcoming events that we're going to be having. Inshallah, tomorrow, uh, February 10th, at ICPC Patterson. We're going to be having the Isra and Miraj with uh, Sheikh Hussama, Sheikh Qatanani, Sheikh Abdul Hamid, and a few other guest speakers. Uh, that'll be at 6 PM, inshallah, tomorrow. And next week, we will not be having a Friday forum. Uh, in its place, I encourage everybody to attend. Sami Hamdi will be visiting our community at ICPC Patterson on the 16th at 8 PM. Um, The first one was very popular, so I highly encourage everybody to attend. Some really good stuff there. Uh, We do have an intensive coming up with Sheikh Husama and Sheikh Yasser, the 24th and the 25th. That'll be a Saturday and a Sunday. It'll be from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Inshallah, the the topic of that intensive will be Adab. Beyond that, we also have another intensive with our beloved Sheikh, inshallah, he's he's giving us uh, so much beneficial knowledge. It's going to be actually right here. It's going to be the beginning of guidance uh, Sunday the 18th from 12 to 5 p.m. here in ICPC Clifton. Uh, There will be a $45 registration, but it it will include lunch and the book. And then another uh, class with our beloved Sheikh, the parables of the Quran, are Sundays, 6 p.m. here at ICPC Clifton, inshallah. And uh, with that, I think we're, uh, we're ready to begin. Jazakallah khair. Adam, hafizhaka barakallah
0: Just a little bit more detail about the intensive. Yeah, the, there's also the Brothers Halaqah that happens every Sunday. It's about uh, hadith studies. So all brothers are welcome to join us inshallah after Salat al-Isha on Sundays inshallah. And there's also a class for new Muslims and converts that happens every Sunday at 12.30 here in the masjid. So if you know someone who wants to learn about Islam and its foundations, uh, please tell them about the
1: class inshallah. Jazakum Allah Uh About the. Yeah. Oh, go. oh, one more thing to add. We also have a sister's weekly yes. halqa here, Wednesdays, 7 p.m., ICPC Clifton. Yes, that's with uh,
0: Ustad al Farah. Um, so you're all welcome to come to these events, inshallah, to uh, continue to grow in uh, your understanding of the deen and your connection with Allah Azza wa jal. Um, uh, About the intensive, just to give you guys a little bit more detail, uh, it's called The Beginning of Guidance, Bidayat al Hidayah. This is actually a title of a book. By Imam Ghazali. Um, and uh, this book is a very interesting book. Um, it's, it's, it's light and it's uh, inspri- inspiring. And um, that's why we chose it, especially with Ramadan coming up, uh, a spiritual topic for us to consider how can we grow spiritually. So the subject, the, t- the topic really has three main chapters. First off, uh, he goes over uh, an introduction to knowledge and learning and how knowledge is supposed to change us and make us better people. Um, and in that, he speaks about spiritual knowledge. How? What is spiritual knowledge versus knowledge that's just information? How does spiritual knowledge make my life better? And and then through that, he goes over etiquette on acts of obedience. What should I be doing in my uh, ta'at? He has one chapter, adab fit ta'at. And then he says, adab fijtinab al ma'asi. Etiquettes in Avoiding Sin. And the last chapter is dedicated on Adab al Khaliq wa al khalq, The etiquettes of companionship with Allah and companionship with people. Uh, so you're all welcome to join us for that uh, intensive that's 12 to 5. And as Akhi Adam said, uh, you could use that QR code right there to register for
1: it. And the registration includes uh, the lunch and the book, insha'Allah. And actually, uh, uh, speaking of QR codes, uh, please, if you have a chance, just scan the QR code on the screen to join the Slido, and you can ask questions. Please just try and keep questions relevant to the topic. Any non-relevant questions we'll leave to the end if we have time.
0: Jazakum khair. So, um, bismillah. Uh, and as Aqih Adam uh, also noted, we're not having Friday Forum next week. We actually have, after this Friday forum, two more Friday forums before Ramadan. We have one in the end of the month um, uh, that's going to be with uh, Sheikh Ismail, Insha'Allah, And then we have one on in the beginning of March, and that's going to be the last one before Ramadan, the very first Friday in March. In that, we're going to be talking about how to make the most of our Ramadan. As you can imagine, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be the week before, subhanallah, Ramadan's at our doorsteps. And we should all get into the mindset and, the, uh, and uh, give thought to how we can we um, continue to fine-tune, grow, modify, redirect ourselves in our journey to Allah Azza wa We all need to do it. We all need to fix things about ourselves. None of us is perfect. And Ramadan is the best opportunity for us to really dig deep, cleanse our souls and try to figure out a different pathway in certain aspects of our lives. So as Ramadan's coming up, uh please keep that uh in mind inshallah. And um for this Friday forum, I really wanted to fixate and focus a little bit more on uh the Quranic discourse around accountability. Now, when I say Quranic discourse, th- there's a lot that the Quran teaches us in terms of uh um مسؤولية and Muhasaba. This is the two sides of accountability. وَمَسؤولية, responsibility, uh, محاسبة, uh, self-accountability, or accountability by others. The Qur'an, and you know, if you study the Qur'an from different standpoints, you'll find that Allah Azza wa Jal gives us a lot uh, on different subjects throughout the entire book. So there's another uh, thread that you can that we've spoken about before, Qur'anic discourse on positive thinking, for example. Qur'anic discourse on accountability through the stories of the Qur'an. We're going to talk about that tonight. There's a lot of other things that, the Qur'anic discourse on, um, uh, on, uh, on du'a and supplication. Qur'anic discourse on speaking about matters of the unseen. Uh, Quranic, uh, discourse, Qur'anic discourse on uh, addressing matters of law. These are all different things that we could study and examine. Qur'anic discourse on justice. Qur'anic discourse on justice. And I believe the screen shut down. Uh, If we could get that. Jazakallah khair. Qur'anic discourse on justice. And really, you'll find a lot of these subjects, uh, Qur'anic discourse on wasatiyah, on uh, uh, balance, being a balanced person. What does it mean to be a balanced person? Well, there's a lot that the Qur'an gives in that vein of how I should live my life between um, uh, balancing between different extremes. So, and, and you'll find a lot of these different subjects, there's a lot of books written on each of them. And um, the Qur'an as a book is is the primary source that we should be seeking if we really want guidance on how to live our lives and deal with the affairs that arise. Um, when it comes to accountability, uh, the reason why it's so critical is because Allah Azza wa Jal clearly states in the Qur'an that no one has anything for granted. None of us. Not someone who is righteous. Not someone who is of an Arab background or a non-Arab background. Not someone who is connected and well-known and prominent. Not someone who is knowledgeable. Uh, not someone who is even related to someone who is very high in his connection with Allah Azza wa the Qur'an clearly states, in one of its verses, It is not by wishful thinking. Life is not by wishful thinking. Allah doesn't oppress anybody. What leads to success are certain characteristics that come together that cause the person to be blessed with success from Allah. And what leads to failure are certain characteristics that come together that cause the person to be worthy of or deserving of misguidance and punishment from Allah. That's the whole Qur'anic discourse on the past nations. Throughout the stories of the Qur'an, if you read this, the stories of past nations, Allah gives us features, characteristics that led to halak al-umam. What are asbab halak al-umam? The cause of ruin of nations a big question. You'll find that the characteristics, there are some universals between all those who follow the path of misguidance. And if there's something universal between them all, I want to be very careful not to fall into that and not to become prey to that, right? And then when I reflect on those causes that led to ruin, I also must reflect on what Allah has given me in terms of guidance and how to hold myself accountable. Someone who is unwilling to hold themselves accountable is someone who is unwilling to follow guidance. That's the bottom line. Someone who is unwilling to hold themselves um, impartially accountable and just be fair and just. That's why the Quran says, one of the Quranic... Um, um, uh, one of the Quranic... Uh, a uh, principles on justice is that Allah azza wa jall he says wala yajrimannakum shana'an qum an la don't allow your hatred of a people to cause you to be unfair in your judgment and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says in another verse ya ayyuhalladhina amanu kunu qawamin bil qisti shuhada'a lillah walaw ala anfusikum aw alwalidayni wal aqrabin be a people who are Upright, even when it's against your own self or your parents or your close relatives, it's hard to live by that. If someone could please close the door over here, um, is it closed? If it's not closed, please close it. Seems like World War Three is happening downstairs. Um, uh, so, you know, this whole uh, uh, discourse on uh, uh, th- this whole discourse on accountability is so critical because Allah Azza wa Jal, Tells us that the ruined nations before refused accountability. That's the bottom line. Look at what Al Rajul Al Mu'min Min Ali Fir'aun said to his people. The believing man from the people of Fir'aun. You guys know of him? You guys know of him? You guys know which surah uh, this conversation and dialogue happens between this anonymous man and uh, not Surah Yasin, no. Uh, and this anonymous, anonymous man and his people From the people of Fir'aun Surah Yasin is another anonymous man What's the what's the surah? Anyone know? Surah Ghafir Surah Ghafir Is this uh, Look what he tells his people He tells his people very clearly Ya qawmi Lakumul mulkul yawm Zahirina fil ardu Faman yansuruna min ba'asillahi Jaana. Part of this Quranic discourse on accountability is a realization, Hey, you know what? I'm not here forever. There's no way I'll be strong forever. I'm strong today, I'll be weak tomorrow. I'm healthy today, I'm going to experience weakness. Uh, You guys know the story about um, the Prophet ﷺ's camel. That was very fast. You guys know this story? It's called the Al-Adba. The Prophet ﷺ had this camel named Al-Adba. And this camel was never defeated. And in fact, there compa- they, they would, they would, they would be horse, uh, the camel races, uh, right? And um, the companions would celebrate every time the Prophet Wasallam's camel would win. They would celebrate. Why? Because they would link it with the Prophet Wasallam's greatness. Oh, it's winning because it's, he's the Prophet. And he, we love the Prophet because he's the best person ever, right? So one time, this Bedouin Arab had a really, really fast camel that raced the Prophet Wasallam's camel. And it beat it. You know what the Prophet ﷺ said? The Prophet ﷺ said, (laughs) حَقٌ عَلَى اللَّهِ أَلَّا يَرْتَفِعَ شَيْءٌ مِّن هَذِهِ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا وَضَعَهِ It is a right upon Allah. That everything that goes up will come down. Will come down. SubhanAllah. You know, if... um, Now, uh, the young audience here um, uh, are likely young healthy vibrant full of life able to move around so on and so forth if you interact a lot with people who've been around for a long time you'll you'll hear some interesting things i remember one of the things i heard um from uh someone i consider like a father uh he uh, shared with me a reflection he went to visit this hospital uh to visit someone else um And he visited the sick person that was there. And as he was leaving, he saw a friend that he hadn't seen for a very, very, very long time. And this friend was um, uh, someone who was a bodybuilder. He was very strong, very massive body. He would go to the gym, very full of life. And he saw this man very frail and weak. And it caused him to reflect, subhanallah. I would have never imagined to see someone that was once that strong, now so incapable and frail and weak. That's the reality of dunya. People in their younger years, until they see until they see old age, unless you're someone who lives around and surrounds yourself. And this is if you want wisdom, surround yourself with people who've experienced a lot in life. If you, the more you converse with people who are 20 years older than you, 30 years older than you, 40 years older than you. You will gain a lot from their wisdom. People in their younger years don't ever think that, "Hey, you know what, anything could just a glitch could happen in my system, and my body could completely fail. I will not have the health I have right now, right? So anyway, the notion of accountability, what does he say? When I get weak, who on earth is going to save me from Allah's punishment and accountability when it comes my way, right? Our belief is, hey, you know what? Oppressors don't get away with oppression. Their accountability is just delayed. The Prophet ﷺ said this. أخذ the Prophet ﷺ says, Allah gives the oppressor time to uh, reconsider himself or herself, change his ways or her ways. But when the accountability comes, there's no escaping Allah's accountability. منال, as the Quran says in another verse. لا. the time for running away is gone. Right now, part of this idea of Quranic accountability is the Quran teaches us in many verses to be a people of empathy. If I am not a person who's emp- what does empathy mean? Right? Sympathy means what? What does sympathy mean? What does sympathy mean? What's the difference between sympathy and empathy? Who can tell me? Go ahead. Yeah. Yes, sympathy is when you feel bad for somebody. Empathy is when you feel what they are feeling. You put themselves in their place. You put yourself in their place, right? Now, uh, our deen teaches us to be a people of empathy. That's, one of, that's part of the Quranic discourse on accountability, by the way. If I truly want to be someone who fulfills the rights of self-accountability, I need to have the capacity to see things through a different lens. Not just through my, my lens and my outlook on things. That doesn't work. One of the greatest pitfalls of people in their relationships is they only see what their eyes allow them to see. Look at the story that Allah tells us and Surah Sad. This is a crazy one, right? <coughs> These two people, they came to um, Sayyidna Dawud alaihissalam to judge between them. You guys know the story. You guys know the story. Some of you. These two people, <coughs> the scholars of Tafsir actually say they were angels. One of them said, "My brother here has." Ninety-nine ills, right? He has ninety-nine ills, and I have one. Not you, <laughs> but you're right next to me, so that's why. Just for optics, right? I have one. So my brother said, "أكفِلنيها." فَقَالَ أكفِلْنِيها This man who had ninety-nine, what was he thinking about? Man, one more and I get to hundred. This guy, he only has one. He doesn't need it. What's, what's one you going to do for him, right? What's one Najah going to do for him? Give it to me. I'll have a hundred. Give it to me. waḥida, wa'azzani What happened? The, the, the Quran tells us. Part of the Quranic discourse tells us. That most people don't have the capacity to hold themselves accountable. Most people end up transgressing their boundaries because they have no empathy. Except those people who truly seek amal salih. To seek to be people of goodness and benevolence. And this was a test for Sayyidina Dawood That's a different story though. Because Sayyidina Dawood judged without listening to the other party but well, that's a different story but the point here is empathy is critical in accountability empathy being able to feel with others is critical in being fair right now part of this quranic discourse on accountability is that the quran teaches with great power comes great what very good Great responsibility. And when people have a lot of power, they tend to... Yes, very good word. They tend to abuse that power. It is really hard to be able to get your way to the fullest and have the conscience to say, you know what, I don't, wanna, I don't want to hurt another human being. I, I know I could get away with this. I know I could hurt somebody, but I don't want to because it's not right, right? Right? What does the Quran say? The Quran tells Sayyidina Dawood be very careful. When you're in a position of power and you are someone who is whimsical, what does whimsical mean? That you follow hawa. That means you do whatever you want just because you want it. Meaning that there's nothing to stop you, you have no boundaries, you're willing to do everything. Just because you can. The Quran says what? If you do that, then you'll find that your power will be your demise. Your power will be your demise. This is part of the Quranic discourse on accountability. You know, there was, you guys know the. I I shared the story before, but I know that there's so many stories. So let's see if anyone remembers it. Who knows the story of the overworked camel during the time of the Prophet? Raise your hand the overworked camel you know what it is can you remind us very good prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam walks into this garden JazakAllah khair he walks into this garden for uh, that belonged to one of the ansar and there was this camel in the garden and this camel, when it saw the Prophet ﷺ, and it knew who the Prophet ﷺ was, right? Prophet ﷺ was this great symbol of justice and beauty and Jamal. So when the camel saw the Prophet, ﷺ, it began tearing, right? It began tearing. And uh, the Prophet ﷺ went to it. You're not a camel, I know that, but <laughs> just, just for optics, right? The Prophet ﷺ ben, began caressing. The head of the camel. And then um, the Prophet Sallallahu asked, who's the owner of this camel? There were some people in the garden. Who owns it? So then one of the young men from Ummah Ansar, he raised his hand. He said to him, the Prophet Sallallahu said to him, look, the Prophet Sallallahu teaches empathy even with animals. Allahu Akbar. If I need to have empathy with animals, about imagine having empathy with human beings. Right? The Prophet Sallallahu said, "This camel complained to me that you're overworking it and that you are starving it. Don't you have any sense of taqwa in this camel that Allah made under your supervision? Yeah, Allah, right. This is uh, part of the Quranic discourse on leadership. You know, wh- you know what else um, is part of this Quranic uh, part of this discourse in our Deen." Unaccountability. The Prophet Wasallam tells us this. The Prophet Saisam made a du'a, and by the way, the Prophet Saisam's du'a is answered. We need to be very, very careful from this du'a. You know what it says? This du'a basically says that whoever becomes in a position of power and authority and uses it for goodness, then may Allah give him ease. And whoever becomes in a position of authority and uses it to bring pain and difficulty to others, may Allah bring him difficulty. The hadith says, this dua of the Prophet, Allahumma man waliya min amri ummati shay'an. Farafiqa bihim, farfuq bih. Right? What is this? People say uh, in dunya, what do they call this? In dunya, not Muslims, not, not in the Islamic uh, uh, discourse. On this subject of accountability. What do people call that? If you are um, good to others, goodness will come your way. If you are wicked and difficult with others, difficulty will come your way. Yeah, people call that karma. We don't. We call this, العمل, That the reward will be in kind from the deeds that you have done. Right? So the Prophet Wasallam says, اللهم من ولي من amri أمتي شيئا فشق عليهم alayh Oh Allah, bring him difficulty. Just like he brought others difficulty. May Allah not make us from them. This could apply to heads of state. And it can apply to teachers. It could apply to parents. It could apply to people who have a position of power and influence in a community. And it could apply to any range of things. Right? So, this is um, part of this Quranic discourse on accountability uh, and the, the discourse in our deen. Now, look, there's another set of verses in which Allah tells us why uh, people were deserving of punishment. And these verses are actually um, in Surah Ghafir as well, they're actually very inspirational. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يُجَادِلُونَ فِي آيَاتِ اللَّهِ بِغَيْرِ سُلْطَانٍ أَتَاهُمْ إِنْ فِي صُدُورِهِمْ إِلَّا كِبْرٌ مَّاهُمْ بِبَالِغِيهِ Look at what Allah says. Allah tells us that one of the hallmarks in the ruin of people and nations is a toxic characteristic of kibr. Toxic characteristic of arrogance. He says, subhanah, those who dispute and argue with the signs of Allah without any evidence, what does that prove that's in their heart? There's heart, there's disease, there's a disease in their heart, and this disease is called arrogance. فَاسْتَعِذْ billah Quran tells us, arrogance has led to the demise of many people and many nations. So this is another universal characteristic of those Who are punished and held accountable by Allah Azza wa Jal. That's why we in our in our Deen it teaches if you have an ounce of arrogance, you're not gonna enter Jannah. What does that mean? Meaning that before you could enter Jannah, you need to be cleansed from that arrogance. How are you gonna be cleansed from that arrogance? Punishment of the grave, difficulties of the day of judgment, or entering hellfire, depending on the severity of what your arrogance led to. Right? So that's another characteristic that's a feature. In rejection. Now, uh, another uh, characteristic that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, um, in the Qur'an, there's a very, very beautiful um, verse. Surah Al-An'am teaches us a lot about Allah's universal laws. You know, Allah doesn't deny people. Some people, that you know, you know how some people look at it? Some people say, well, you know what? It's not fair because some people are born Muslim and... Uh, it, it's easy for them to accept guidance. And some people are not born Muslim and because of that they will likely die as non-Muslim. So it's not fair. God wasn't fair. Right? What does Allah subhanahu ta'ala say? Nothing's for granted. No, it's not like that at all. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Allah sends prophets and messengers And with the prophets and messengers, he tests the people. He tests them with difficult situations and with ease. And you know what? Both of them are real big tests. Life being easy is a massive test. You guys agree? You guys agree? You guys agree? Life being easy is a massive test. Why? Because it's so hard to do the right thing when everything is just so easy. Life being easy makes the person very complacent, right? At least difficulty causes you to have a sense of urgency, right? So, so he tests them, and then what happens? This is part of the concept and principle of accountability in the Quranic discourse. Allah says, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "When they forgot." the message that they were reminded with, we have opened to them the doors to all goodness. فَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ كل شيء. Until when? حَتَّى إِذَا what, what does that mean? What does فَرِحُ mean? Uh, what does فَرِحُ mean? What does that mean? Anyone know? Anyone who knows Arabic? Until they had farihu What does فَرِحُ mean? ف... <laughs> Everyone thinks, uh, so Fariha, farah uh, is different than sa'adah, right? Sa'adah uh, has this positive connotation to it. Farah can have a positive connotation to it or a negative one, right? Farah could be positive or negative, it depends, right? Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَبِذَٰلِكَ يَجْمَعُونَ they should be rejoicing for the Quran that came down to them. يفرحوا, right? So, that sense of happiness. But here, ferihu means takebaru. This farah has a negative connotation to it sometimes, and it comes with the meaning of having arrogance. Right? So, anyway, this sunnah in the Quran is referred to as istidraj, that sometimes part of uh, the consequence for someone who doesn't hold themselves accountable. Is that Allah lets them do whatever they want? Go ahead, do, you want dunya? Go ahead, take dunya. You want to transgress and cross all boundaries? Go ahead. Don't think you're going to get away. It's going to come to you suddenly. Allah will give you everything and then the punishment is going to come your way suddenly. This is another part of the Quranic discourse on um, punishment and accountability part of this is the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he tells us in a hadith this is in the um uh, in, the, in the in the in the sunnah uh, the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam tells us in a hadith iyyakum washuh fa innama halaka man kana qablakum bil shuh amarahum bil bukhl fa wa amarahum bil fujuri fa part of the part of what ruined people before is what? Miserliness, stinginess. This is another hallmark of uh, punished, ruined people. There are people who are very stingy with goodness, whether it's with money or with their time and efforts or with their abilities. That's a hallmark of people of misguidance. Right? Another one that the Sunnah also tells us, the Prophet Wasallam tells us, right? دَبَفِيكُمْ دَاءُ umami qablakum. The plague of nations before you has afflicted you. What is this plague of nations? What are the, what, who, who knows the rest of the hadith? What's the, what's, what are the two diseases the Prophet lists in this hadith as being the plague of nations before? Who knows? Huh? Anyone know? Anyone know? What are the, what are the two diseases the Prophet specifically mentions as... The diseases of nations before? Huh? Arrogance? No. No, not vulum. Uh, someone said something else I couldn't hear. Not, not injustice, no, not injustice, no. Uh, not hypocrisy. Al hasadu wal baghda'a. Prophet said envy and hatred. Envy and hatred. Part of the Quranic discourse and the Islamic discourse on accountability is me being very mindful of how I perceive blessings. When they're my blessings, if I forget about Allah, and I, it's all me, right? It's all me, I, I did this, this is my hard work. Uh, if I do that with blessings, it's going to cause me to be arrogant, right? If I look at other people's blessings, and I say, that should have been mine, uh, I hate that this person got to this first, right? I wish this person didn't get to enjoy X, Y, or Z because I can't enjoy it, right? This is hasad. It's a disgusting disease that ruins people and ruins nations. Hasad, envy. And in Baghdad, hatred. That's when someone holds grudges. That leads to ruin, for the individual and for society and for nations. Grudges. Someone who's unwilling to ever let the wrong that was done to them go. I will hold on to it. الدين, right? As they often say when they're heaved, the conflict. I will never forget until the day of judgment what this person did. I'm going to go look for this person on the day of judgment and grab them by the neck because they said this to me and they took that from me. I'm going to get my right, uh, you know, we had this even in the crazy question, uh, yani, no offense to the person who asked it, uh, but uh, <laughs> the crazy question that we got in the last Q&A when it Zaid was with, with us, was, um, if I forgive somebody, does that take away from the possibility of them Uh, Being held accountable before Allah Azza wa Jal, if it's going to be erased because what the person was asking, you know, I don't want to forgive this person. I want them to face their consequences, right? So I'm afraid that if I forgive them, they're just going to get away with it, right? So no, 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 I don't want to forgive because I want to see them, you know, again, sometimes today in society, people have become vicious and brutal. You know, especially sometimes with the things that we watch, the video games that kids play, uh, the movies, um, people have this affinity with brutality. They are willing to say, Look, the, the greatest evidence of this is what's happening in Gaza. Allahu Akbar, you have these bankrupt devils that are representing Israel that are coming on TV defending and smiling and embracing the lie. And even when they're spoken to about the children of Gaza and how they're being tormented and slaughtered, right? What do they say? These guys are future terrorists. What's left in a human being after they look at a child, a a five-year-old or six-year-old, and see them die and in pain and in agony and say, that needs to happen. Why? Because this guy is gonna be a future terrorist. He's a from intimas al basira. Wallahi, when someone's sense, spiritual sense is completely shut off, there is no limit to how awful and deplorable a human being they could become. That's that's what we learn. You know, that's why the subject of accountability is so important. My deen teaches me, hey, you know what? Don't ever, don't ever sit quiet on a wrongdoing you've ever did. Always second guess yourself. If you feel like you hurt someone, you took someone's right, right? What did the Prophet Sallallahu tell us to do? If you took someone's right, make sure you give it back to them today before there comes a day when there's no dirham or dinar, right? There's no dirham or dinar, there's, no, uh, uh, d- there's no money, there's no uh, relationships. There's only one thing. And say, yeah, good deeds, bad deeds. Make sure you get, it. you make sure you square it away in this dunya before the day of judgment comes because on the day of judgment, they're not going to be coming for your money. They're going to be coming for your hasanat. They're going to be coming for your good deeds, right? So Islam teaches me to always be this person who's very mindful. You know what? I will think once, twice, and thrice before I allow myself to accept anything wrong I do to other people. And you know what? This makes the person, the, the, the mu'min, uh, some people think of it, what, what is that you shouldn't you shouldn't ever second guess yourself don't ever second this is the, those people who uh, talk in uh, uh, you know uh, those uh those self help things and uh you know those motivation the toxic motivational talks that come from uh you know some sources uh self help sources oh don't ever second guess yourself right don't ever question your decisions right because what you got it all figured out right uh, you, you, no one should make you doubt yourself. What are you talking about? Everything in my deen teaches me to doubt once, twice, and thrice the things I do. I'm not saying to do it apprehensively in a way that, is, um, uh, that, that, that leads to self-loathing, that leads to uh, mental health issues, and so on and so forth. But what do you mean don't doubt yourself? Who of us has their life figured out to the extent that I don't need to think twice about something I said to another human being? Allahu Akbar. That is like pure, disgusting, um, toxic character. Our deen teaches us, by the way, no, no, no. I could always be wrong. I'm never going to rest assured that I am 100% right and the other side's 100% wrong. No, I'm going to think twice about it. And you know what? Even if I, even if I feel like I have to apologize and I don't really need to, what does the Prophet ﷺ say? I promise a house in the prime real estate of Jannah for someone who is able to stop arguing, even when they're in the right. Allahu Akbar. Right? That, that's difficult to do. That's really difficult to do. So part of this Qur'anic discourse on accountability, Allah Azza wa wants us to be mindful of what we say and what we do. Allah Azza wa wants us to be a people who are mindful even in the way we ask about things. Right? The, the, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Surah Al-Baqarah is actually all about this. The Prophet Sallallahu tells us um, uh, in a hadith, leave me as long as I don't address things with you. What led to the ruin of people before? Their frequent questions and their disputes with their prophets. That's what led to their ruin, right? So, the, and the Quran in Surah Al Baqarah, it's all about this. The, these people who had this incessant Line of questioning to their prophets, every single thing their prophet was saying, they would second guess and they would challenge and they would disagree with their prophets. That's another thing about accountability. I need to be mindful of everything, especially about the things I ask. Especially when it comes to matter, I need to be mindful of the boundaries of Allah, right? And there's so much, so much more um, that we can add to this uh, subject of accountability. But this is, I guess, um, uh, you know, what I had to present to you guys to start our discussion so you know and for the rest of the time that we have if you guys want to discuss aspects of it address parts of it you have questions about it uh, you're more than welcome to ask inshallah and I don't know if we have Akhi Adam questions that have come in
1: yeah we do and you know feel free to raise your hands in between questions and we can call out on you directly as well so first question for you, Sheikh, uh, you know, is in the realm of, of balance um, and the, the question goes as follows how can you know how can you hold yourself accountable without going too far you know is there is there a balance in terms of accountability and as the questioner describes self compassion
0: yeah look um uh, it's hard to hold yourself accountable if you don't know the boundaries of what you should be holding yourself account- uh, accountable for what's going to allow you to know The boundaries of what you're supposed to hold yourself accountable for. Ilm. Knowledge. One of the blessings of knowledge is it teaches me. To... um, It teaches me to decipher between what's right and what's wrong. What's fair and what's unfair. You know, and that's why, you know, you'll find that there's so... And we're going to talk about this more when we go over this intensive, inshallah. Uh, There's so much more to knowledge than just knowing things, Right? Part of the journey of knowledge is it gives substance and it gives depth to my iman. You know, one of the things about ignorance is it destroys people and it destroys life. It destroys life from many different aspects. Jahl is is a source of great ruin. So the answer to this question is, how do you know how to hold yourself accountable? Well, by learning. I need to invest myself and my time in knowing well, you know, what's the what's the rights of the parents? What are what what parent what rights do my parents have? And what is the beyond of the scope of their rights? That's something I could only get by studying the Islamic tradition on this issue. Is the right of the parents absolute? No. No, no, it's not. Even the rights of the Prophet وسلم, are not absolute. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam himself teaches us this. You know, this is a beautiful story. Um that one time this man came during the time of the Prophet ﷺ uh, to ask for his, the repayment of his money. Prophet ﷺ took a loan from him and the man wanted his money back. So he grabbed the Prophet ﷺ by the neck and he said, pay me back. So then the companions got riled up and they got angry. They wanted to attack the man. The Prophet ﷺ said, sahib kuntum. No, no, no. He's asking for his right. He's not asking for something wrong. Calm down. So the Prophet ﷺ repaid his debt in full. And then he actually gave him a gift of dates along with it. A gift. Because of him being kind and gracious enough to lend the Prophet ﷺ money. So the Prophet he told the Prophet ﷺ, وَأَوْفَيْتَ um, uh, 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 You've given... Uh, me, my right in full, and in fact, you are very loyal in doing so. You, you, you gave me a gift along with it. You are so kind and gracious. You are appreciative. So then the Prophet Wasallam in this hadith, he tells us what? What does he tell us? This hadith, إِنَّهُ Prophet is in a position of power because again, all the companions are on his side. Right? This man has no one on his side. The Prophet Wasallam could have imposed his will on this man. The Prophet taught the Ummah that no one is beyond accountability. He said, There is no sanctity to an Ummah in which the person who is weak can't get his right without any hindrance. That's something to think about. So, where am I going to learn these? What's the boundaries of it? How do I know if I'm being too much, too extreme, or not? With my friends, with my family, with my parents, with the way I um, uh, manage my money. Uh, with, uh, the, with the way I deal with my conflicts only way out brothers and sisters I need to learn I need to invest myself in learning the more I invest myself in that the knowledge is light the more I learn and invest myself in learning I'm going to find that my, you know, uh, I'm going to be able to look at things through a broader lens it's not going to be black and white anymore and so that's what I would say to
1: that any direct questions in the crowd? Uh, So this question uh, specifically relates to Ramadan, um, but if you could uh, give us a bit of a general answer before you go into specifics, um, and it's about maybe specific methodology that you would employ. Um, So the specific question is, how can I hold myself accountable for reading the Quran more often before Ramadan starts?
0: Yeah, um, how can I hold myself accountable? Uh, You know, look... um, Uh, One of the critical things in accountability, when you're talking about holding yourself accountable, is to let someone in. You know, what does the Prophet ﷺ says a Muslim is for his brother? What? What is the Muslim for his brother? For his fellow Muslim? Huh? Yeah, he's going to love him, but what is he for him? I know that you know Uh, Jazakallah khair Sheikh Ismail is with us here Uh, Allah bless him and preserve him and uh, use him for goodness and by the way if you guys don't know or already know Sheikh Ismail is officially with the masjid uh, uh, masjid. he's the imam of Masjid Yunus and he's a leader for our community he's going to be teaching us and we're going to learn from him a lot inshallah Allah preserve you and bless you so the Muslim is a mirror for his fellow Muslim. What does that mean? What does that mean? Like, all right, so now imagine this. Um, now, people who are into fashion and design, of course, they're going to know this halatul and people who care about the way they look, uh, which I'm sure applies to a lot of people. Uh, if you want to make sure that you are presentable before you leave the house, what are you going to do? What do you have to do? No matter what you wear and how you wear it, what do you need to do before you leave? in the mirror. I need to look in the mirror. I need to look in the mirror. If I don't look in the mirror, then maybe my hair is not combed the right way. Uh, maybe my hijab not done the way it should be done. Uh, maybe my colors don't match or whatever else matters in that regard. Uh, the point is, I need a mirror. And Spiritually, I need a mirror too. If I'm someone who, again, that some people choose to live like this, it's an awful way to live. Wallahi, it's a disgusting way to live. Someone, some, sometimes people are inclined to live a life that blocks everyone out. I don't need anybody. I don't need advisors. I have it all figured out. I know what's in my best interest. Why, why do I need to ask someone else? I have all the answers right here. They're coming from the mouth of Iblis himself. Right? Right, So uh, I have it all figured out. I don't need advisors. right? This person who chooses not to have a mirror in his life or her life will grow very minimally. Very minimally. If you want to be consistent and you want to hold yourself accountable, going back to the question, get a mirror in your life. What does that mean? What does that look like? Hey, you know what? Get a, get a, get a Fajr buddy or a Masjid buddy. Get a Quran buddy. Right, you know, you guys know what Quran buddy means, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be on this journey with another human being, right? We're gonna agree to a plan together. Every single day, we're gonna commit to reading a half an hour of Quran on our own. You don't even need to do it. Some, way, you know, I know it's difficult. People's lives are busy. You can't see people every single day, but we're gonna send reminders to each other, right? Every single day. Oh, I just finished my 30 minutes. Did you finish it too? We do it in our dunya. We do this in our dunya. When people, people they, instead of saying Quran buddy, what do they say? Study buddy, right? I'm going to get a study buddy, right? Uh, or um, uh, if they want to go to the gym too, they get a gym buddy. To go to, someone to go to the, to, with them to the gym to help them work out and stay consistent and so on and so forth. I need someone as a mirror. That's number one. Number two, I need to do something that I could commit to consistently consistency is the most important thing. It, you know, don't, don't go on your day off and recite five hours of Qur'an and then go the next five days without reciting a single ayah of Qur'an. That's not good. It's not healthy. That's why the Prophet Sallallahu says, The most consistent actions are the most beloved actions. So those are two things I would tell this person. You really, really want to um, uh, hold yourself accountable, get a mirror, metaphorically, and also, um, uh, make sure you commit to something that's reasonable and do it consistently. Yeah. Yeah. Any direct questions that you guys have? Any direct questions? Go ahead.
1: All right, we're going to the top. So this one goes, how do you move on and feel okay after committing a major sin? I think perhaps the, the tie-in there is, you know, holding yourself accountable after, you know, after sinning.
0: Look, um, how do you move on from a sin that you committed uh, and just get it behind you? Look, um, you know, it really, really depends on the sin that was committed. And our dean teaches us to think about that. Not all sins are the same. Some sins have devastating effects. Some sins, their effects um, never, ever go away. That's a reality. Like their effects never go away. You could repent from it and you could try to move on, but their effects remain. There are people right now who've been in prison for 30, 40, 50 years uh, who have committed uh, a murder in the 90s or the 80s or 70s or whatever. Their life stopped 40 years ago. And, you know, subhanAllah, if you ever read the story, if you're ever interested, sometimes these stories are interesting. When someone comes out of prison after being locked up for like 30, 40 years, these people uh, do not, like, you know, the normal, typical living that we are in in this day and age is very, very foreign to them. Especially if the last time they saw the day of light, uh, the light of day, I mean, uh, the light of day was in the 90s or the 80s. Uh, In fact, they won't know how to function properly. They need someone to hold their hand. And they need someone to help them navigate their affairs because they've never done the things that we've been doing mundanely, daily basis, right? So, anyway, uh, there are certain effects of sins that never go away. And not all sins are the same. We have major and we have minor. Now, of course, my disposition towards sin is going to be um, for me to make it right in the sense that if it's relating to the rights of others, I'm going to correct that. If it's only between me and Allah I'm going to repent to it. If anything needs to be repaid, I'm going to repay it. I'm going to make it right. And then after that, I'm going to allow that sin to inspire me, not bring me down. This is a a critical thing. I'm going to let it inspire me, not bring me down. The shaitan is a psychologist. Right, the shay- the shaitan. Don't get me wrong, psychologists are good people, right? or they can be good people. But the shaitan is a psychologist. Right, he knows how to get in people's heads. Right, how what does he make you start thinking? He starts making you think, "Oh man, I did a lot of bad things. Allah's never going to forgive me." You know what? I'm not. I'm just. I'm just a horrible. I'm just a horrible human being. I don't deserve forgiveness. You know what's the point of repenting? I'm probably going to go to Jahannam anyway. Like, you know, sometimes people who've done major things, that's how they might start feeling about themselves. Like, um, you know, if they've like, broken the hearts of their parents, or if their parents passed away and they were angry with them, or if they've c- committed, like, uh, إثم, like fornication, zina, if they were uh, hooked on drugs or whatever it was, or if they got into um, some, some uh, deep, dark things, they might start feeling like that about themselves. You know, I'm not worth it, I'm worthless. This is all coming from what? Satanic psychology. Satanic psychology is to teach me to look at myself in such a, a degrading and belittling way. Allah doesn't want that for me. Allah wants me to look at my sin and be inspired, right? That Allah Azza, the the fact that you know, look at this. This is part of the Quranic discourse. liatubu. The fact that I felt regret in my heart is a sign that there's something. It's a sign of divine love. If you're someone who feels regret and you're just pained about the bad thing you did, this is coming. Look, the Quran says Allah repented on them so that they could repent. What does that mean? What does that teach us? Had it not been that Allah wanted something good for this person, they would have never repented. So that's why in the Quranic psychology and the uh, the, uh, the 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 spiritual psychology of our Deen. Sins are meant to inspire, not depress. Especially when I realize my sinfulness and I regret it. Because I would have never realized that if Allah did not want a doorway to open for me. Use that and build on it. That's what I would say. That's how you could get past it. Allahu Alam. You have your hand up? How do you get it to inspire you? Well, just by doing that, like sometimes, you know, here, I'll answer your question like this. Look, um, uh, you know, part of the Islamic uh, discourse on spirituality is having conversations with ourselves, right? It's not only crazy people who talk to themselves, right? Uh, you know, as I'm trying to come closer to Allah, I need to talk to myself too, right? Uh, you know, I need to, you know, um, you know how those those self-help books like... Uh, tell you to look at yourself in the mirror and say I'm strong uh, I'm capable I'm great right no Islam teaches me a different type of psychology as I'm looking at myself Islam teaches me uh, to have this conversation with myself and say uh, the things to it that are going to tame it say "O oh, nafs Allah Azza wa Jal created you you're going to go back to him Allah blessed you with Islam Allah opened for you the door to pray. Allah put it in your heart to want to call upon Him. To want to fast. Allah didn't do this for me if He didn't want me to become better. Allah inspired me so that I can change my ways. Now I need to capitalize on that. I need to have a conversation with myself. I need to talk to myself in this positive way about the sin I committed and just remind myself of the reality. Oh man, if it wasn't for Islam... Or if it wasn't for repenting, I would have still been in that deep, dark place. You know, one of the things that Islam teaches is a sin itself is for us to speak about the sins that we committed in the past in a positive light. Right now, like, uh, what does that mean? Like, like someone who has repented now and they start to reminisce about their days before Islam or their days when they used to commit sins. And they start saying, oh, man, I remember I used to enjoy doing this and that, that used to be so fun when I used to go here and there and hang out with this person or that person. That's a sin in itself. For me to celebrate past sins is an awful sin itself. In fact, uh, as I think about that past, I should be in my mind comparing the present to the past and seeing how blessed I am now and how in a deep, dark place I was in the past. These conversations are going to make me start to feel inspired. You talk to Talk to yourself and talk to yourself a lot. The, 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 the spiritual uh, teachers of our past, they said, um, uh, continue to talk to yourself until they say you're crazy, right? What does that mean? You need to have the, 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 our salaf teach us this in a, in a very, very beautiful way, um, uh, you know, where they would have, in their qiyam and in their spirituality, in their worship, they would have these very intimate conversations with their own nafs, Allah
1: I think piggybacking off of that question, Sheikh, if uh, if you could outline for us the steps for Tawbah.
0: Steps for Tawbah. Uh, first is regretting. And second is stop committing the sin. There's no such thing as repenting if you're going to continue to do it. Regret it. Stop it. Then set your heart to never go back to it. And then if it's something wrong you've done, and you can make it right, you must make it right. If it's relating to the rights of others, give the rights of others back. If it's relating to the rights of Allah, give the rights of Allah back. Like That's why we said, you know, someone who abandons prayers. Like the, if I haven't been praying for years of my life, and now I want to become a better person. Part of my tawbah, is I'm going to make up all those past prayers. Part of my tawbah and repentance, is qada'il I'm going to make a lot of those prayers Why? Because not praying Those prayers makes me feel A great sense of regret And if my regret is sincere Then you know what? I am going to make it right I'm going to continue to try to pray and pray Until I make up the balance that I have On my shoulders Any
1: direct questions?
0: you summarize this question? <laughs> uh, sure. Can, you, you so can, oh, or were you not? Paying? I, I can do it.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. hold on. No, I was listening. But oh, okay. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I, I believe the the questioner, the, the young man, is uh, essentially, you know, for whatever reason, you you know, you you do this sin, uh, in, in the example, he uses lying, right? And then after the fact, you realize, well, you know, w- why did I do it? You know, and then. Essentially, how do you reconcile that after the fact? Look, you
0: did it because you're a human being. We're all human beings. We make mistakes. We're not perfect. We're not meant to be perfect. But now, after I realized what I did was I was wrong, I need to correct it. Like, if this lie has an effect, an impact on someone else, you know what? I need to go. I need to go tell them the truth and say, you know what? Uh, You know, I I was wrong when I told you this. The truth is X, Y, and Z. Um, uh, you know, I was thinking about it on my way home and I realized that what I told you uh, was not on point. Uh, you know, say something like that. You know, make it right. You know, it takes guts. It takes, it really takes guts. As, as something said in that uh, he says this. Um, uh, 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 let not a judgment that you passed yesterday... And then you've reconsidered and realized you were wrong about it. Stop you from going back to correct it. Because, and he says, لِأَنَّ مُوَافَقَةَ الْحَقِّ خَيْرٌ مِّنَ فِي الْبَاطِلِ You know, just being, being on what's right and what's true is so much more fulfilling, noble, and um, um, inspiring Than continuing to double down and insist on falsehood. Like look at this poor, petty human being that leads Israel right now, Netanyahu. He knows his uh, political career is done. He knows that his own people hate him and can't wait for Gaza and the war against Gaza to stop so that they could kick him off his position. Yet he's continuing to insist as though He's this great liberator and conqueror and he actually thinks that he's going to conquer Gaza. May Allah make his hope fail. May Allah disgrace him. May Allah bring him to his knees and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, you know, bring his end. Right, But that, that's, that's disgusting right there. To, to see the wrongfulness of your ways and double down on it, that takes um, a person to lose their humanity. You know, sometimes, you know, there's this idea of selling your soul, right? Sometimes we have to make decisions in our lives, and these decisions will make us or break us, you know. And, and, and uh, you know, with certain decisions, the, the person needs to sell their soul to the shaytan, meaning they're going to lose their sense of humanity when they make those decisions in their personal life. May Allah protect us from that. When is lying okay um, and acceptable? What, you want to say something too? Uh, It's a rhetorical. You want to come up here and answer it? (laughs) Uh, So when is lying acceptable? Um, There are situations. At the top of the list is uh, reconciling between two parties who are fighting with each other. Now imagine that. Look how beautiful this is. Uh, it's, it, you know, it's actually contrary to what we find people sometimes falling into. Islam teaches you, when you see person A and person B he- hating each other, you as person C should do what? Figure out ways where you could bring A and B closer together, even if your ways are not completely truthful. It's for a good reason, right? And so I'm going to go to person C and say, oh, I was hanging out with person A the other day. And they were saying such beautiful things about you. They really respect you. They really, really do respect you as a human being. And person A never said a thing like that whatsoever. And then I'm going to go to person A and I'm going to say, hey, uh, by the way, uh, you know, person C was talking to me the other day and they say that they really like this and this and that about you. Uh, Right? So you see, it's like the opposite of Namima. right? Our dean teaches us, hey, that's your role. Bring A and B closer together. Not... Play the role of the devil by driving A and B further apart, right? I'm going to say things to person A. Oh, person B was um, actually criticizing you because of X, Y, and Z. Uh, why? Because I want person A to hate person B's guts. That's devilish, right? So anyway, that's one way to reconcile between uh, parties. Another way is what? Another reason um, is if if uh, you saying the truth is going to threaten your life. Right, you saying the truth is gonna cause you severe harm. Uh, that's another situation where you're allowed to, um, uh, uh, you know, not say the truth. Uh, another time that it's okay is um, between spouses. Uh, you know, it, between spouses, if it's for the purpose of building bonds of love, if uh, the wife was to tell the husband, let me say it that, since I'm a guy. Uh, Right, if the wife was to tell the husband, "You look good," even though he looks ugly, and she knows he looks ugly, right? Uh, You look good. She'll get hasanat for this. She'll get good deeds, even if she thinks that he looks horrible, right? Uh, So that's that's another situation where it's okay to lie, right? Um, Now, and then there's uh, there's a few other scenarios that are with that, but these are some of the reasons why it's okay to lie. Yeah. what are the, what else? Any other any questions? other questions? Direct questions.
1: Okay. Uh, in the uh, realm of uh, arrogance, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, when you touched on arrogance earlier, I believe you had mentioned it almost as a as a roadblock to accountability. Yeah. In a sense. Um, and so, you know, what are some you know, given that it's you know a detriment, you know, what are some things that we can do to get rid of some thoughts of arrogance in our in our mind?
0: What are things that we could do to get rid of thoughts of error? You need to break the nefs, right? Uh, there's no way that I am, you know. One of the things that's supposed to break my nefs is true spirituality, uh, uh, sujud, uh, putting my face on the ground. Is supposed to break my ego, right? That's the whole point of prostrating. It's supposed to break my ego. Repenting and the idea of repenting is supposed to break my ego, right? Uh, being in the service of others. It's supposed to break my ego. It's a humbling act, right? It's a humbling act when you serve people, uh, you know, when you see yourself as a servant of others, right? So, uh, you know, that's why um, sometimes even one of the virtuous things that you could do, if you feel that you're becoming too proud and arrogant, do something that breaks this idol that's in your soul, right? Uh, don't, you know, I don't want to worship my, my nefs. I want to break it. So what am I going to do? One of the scholars, he teaches us this. You know, he, he was in a debate. Where this, uh, he mentions this in his book. Um, uh, he was in a debate with this uh, atheist. And um, uh, everyone was cheering him on. And he was able to shred these, uh, this atheist's arguments to pieces. And um, everyone was saying such great things about him. And on the way back from this debate, uh, he felt that his ego got the better of him. So he told his driver to stop at a masjid. And um, he said he needs to go to the bathroom. He disappeared. He took a long time. So the driver went to go check on him. And he said, (coughs) he found this sheikh cleaning the bathroom. And he said, why are you doing this? This is something so far beneath you. You're a sheikh. You're cleaning the bathroom? (coughs) And he said, I felt something in my heart when everyone was praising me. And I wanted to break this arrogance that I felt in my heart. So I I felt like I could only do that by cleaning the bathroom. So I need to break the idol that's within. These are certain ways that I could do it. You know, one of the ways, you know, one of the worst ways to live, you know, know, some people sometimes when they describe their personalities, uh, they say, uh, you know, uh, it's... (coughs) Sorry. Some people when they describe their personalities, they say, I, I, I don't really like to verbally apologize. I like to show it to people in other ways, right? Some people describe their personalities like that. I don't, I, I don't you know, when I do something wrong and I realize it, I don't say sorry. Uh, you know why you don't say sorry? Because you're arrogant, right? If you, were, if you were not arrogant, you would have the willpower to say sorry, right? Uh, they'll say, all right, I'll do it in an indirect way. So I just, like, I just broke someone's heart yesterday. Instead of saying sorry, I'll do something nice for them in return. Remove the pride just say sorry and start a new page tomorrow and do the nice thing that you wanted to do. Don't beat around the bush. I was wrong. I am sorry. These are words that are easy to say unless the nefs gets in the way. When the nefs gets in the way, it becomes so hard to say, I am sorry. May Allah forgive us. All right. We'll take like one more question and then we'll stop.
1: All right, in the realm of, uh, I suppose, keeping others accountable um, and perhaps some, some wisdom on, on how we, we might do that you know, in, a, in a way that's you know, befitting. Um, and the specific question is, you know, how do I convince someone to pray? I'm assuming the questioner uh, is indicating that they are already Muslim, this person that they want to begin praying.
0: Look, how do I convince someone how to pray? Look, you can, you can um, uh, present something to a person on a golden platter and you can make it so enticing and so amazing all you want. Uh, but you cannot force people to eat from what's on the platter. The Quran tells us this. bi <laughs> You have no power and authority over what they ultimately decide—that's what the Quran teaches us. That, you know, it's very difficult to come to terms with that, especially when you want something good for somebody. Parents would find themselves in a difficult situation with their children because of this. Like you—you you spent so much time and hard work raising this kid. And now this kid's destroying his or her life with their own hands. And you just wish you could make them stop. But no matter what you do to try to control their decisions, they continue to making the worst decisions possible. Right? Yeah. Oh, yes. Anyway, up? Do we have some parents with us? They're agreeing. Right? So um, So, In the end of the day, in <inaudible> Muhammad Wasallam himself was told... Your mission and prerogative is conveying the truth. You could display, you could try to befriend. You could try to show the benefits of prayer. You could try to take them with you to the masjid. Um, you could try to introduce them to good people. Uh, you could try to talk to them about spirituality. Speak to them about the day of judgment. Uh, speak to them about Jannah and Nar and all you want. And at the end of the day, who's the one? Who needs to convince himself or herself? The one listening. I could continue to present it. The act of convincing is something that's internal. I need to convince myself, right? You know, happens sometimes with uh, counseling, and uh, you know, um, you know, uh, counselors would tell you this, right? If it, it doesn't, you could try to go to a thousand people for advice and go to counselors and listen to things and read books, if you're not willing to actually do something about your circumstance yourself, no one can ever help you. This is the bottom line. This is So the, what I would say to this person is, continue to do your best to present in creative ways the beauty of salah, but realize ultimately convincing this person is not your job. It's their job. Allahu alam. InshaAllah we're going to stop here. سبحانك اللهم بحمدك نشهد ان لا اله الا انت نستغفرك ونتوب اليك جزاكم الله خير السلام عليكم ورحمه الله